Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Pastor Huey, it's my privilege to be with you and Ruth today. Uh, We love you, and uh, I want you to congratulate your pastor, who is now the chairman of our board of directors. That's a pretty cool title. With most appointments to boards, you uh, only get a portion of what you're going to be responsible for when you sign up. Uh, Then you discover later how much in-depth it is. But Huey, you're doing a great job. I love your heart and passion for the church, Uh, not just the church in the U.S., but the church around the world. And um, the healthy congregation that you have and the region that you lead is indicative of your passion um, to cause the church to advance the cause of Christ. And so I wanted to give you something. There's a limited number of these. And it is, um, it is a piece of granite with Angelus Temple etched in it. Um, if you can imagine today that there's a movement around the world and 156 nations, 110 churches that started with one church. The seed of one church in Los Angeles in 1923. Now what's interesting about that is our founder only um, knew of 150 churches planted around the world when she died. We honor her today because of her great vision, but it says to me that life beyond us, if the seeds we've planted have life in them, the harvest will be greater after we finish. So this is my prayer for you, Huey, that you and Ruth continue to plant seed that has life in it, and it will exceed generations to come. So this is a gift from Foursquare to you. Thank you, thank you. Wow. Well, Debbie will be with me in second service, so um, I'll be thankful for my wife of 43 years to be here today. Uh, I've been married to one woman for 43 years, and... uh, she is the joy of my life and my sweetheart. She doesn't travel with me a lot. Um, she doesn't like the unpacking, packing. She wants to go and stay somewhere, um, hopefully with a big pool and, uh, and maybe the grandkids in tow. Uh, greet the uh, audience at uh, Five Points today and Angela and the team there. So grateful that you're a part of uh, our time together today. Uh, Huey mentioned that I'm, I'm a grandparent. We now have four grandkids, and uh, um, you get the reward for not killing your kids uh, by having grandkids. My four-year-old called me up the other day. She FaceTimed me. Her name is uh, Avery, and she said, Grandpa, i got a question for you. I said, sure, Avery. She said, is Jesus God's brother? I said, well, actually, Avery, Jesus is God's son. And she says, thanks, Grandpa. And she took off, and her mom came on the FaceTime. She goes, that's what I told her. But she said, I'm calling Grandpa. He's the, ex- <laughs> He's the expert in our family on all things related to God. So we just had her for a week, and we had lots of fun questions. And uh, I told her mom and dad, I said, she tells us lots of stuff you probably wish she hadn't told us. <laughs> And if I ever need it, I'll just pull it up. 
I want to talk for uh, a few minutes. This is my first time, by the way. Oftentimes when you travel to different places every weekend, you can give the same message or a message delivered with the same heart. Uh, but this is brand new. This is something I've been working on because it's kind of been erupting in my soul. So I just want to kind of leave it with you today and, and hopefully in your own soul you'll let it saturate and, and God will speak to you. I mean, it just keeps speaking to me about stuff. The word, Do you love it when the word just keeps, every time you see the word you see something new and something fresh that uh, adds a new dimension to what God intended or meant. And um, it's fun. Although life can be like the parable of uh, from India, you know, the, you've heard it, I'm sure, of the blind men who came into a room and were each asked to touch a part of the elephant and describe it. So imagine somebody touching a part of the elephant, not knowing what it is, and trying to describe it, and not having the perspective of the other men. And, uh, but that's kind of how life is sometimes. We, we have a perspective that oftentimes is very limited. And I, and I just want to tell you that because I, I think if, if you are self-aware of life and understand that your perspective is a limited one, which is why all through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, God invites you to see life from His perspective. Because when you see life from your perspective, you're going to have lots of different reactions and interpretations, but... Paul talked about it, he referred to it as seated in the heavenlies with Christ. All of a sudden you have this, not a grassroots perspective, but you have a, a different perspective where you can see the big picture, not the small picture. And um, Huey and I talked today about uh, a theme verse, and I, I love this powerful verse. We used it at our connection this last year out of Luke 4.18 called the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised. Now this is interesting. Isaiah is the one who penned this. Hundreds of years before Christ came. And basically Isaiah was a prophet and he said, someone is coming who will. And, and I love the context of this verse because, let me tell you to begin with, first of all, it gives you five conditions of people. And secondly, Isaiah sets it in a context that says, you can't help those people unless the Spirit anoints you. I mean, you try, your greatest human effort at transforming and redeeming the condition of man will fall woefully short unless it's anointed by God. Only he can bring transformation. You might bring change, but it'll be temporary change. God brings permanent change, and God doesn't talk about helping people. He talks about delivering people, setting people free. Um, I love, though... Seeing how people understand that concept of redemption and rescue because that is what Isaiah was attempting to say is that God is sending someone into dark human conditions and he understands them. He will actually experience 
the stuff that he's going to be dealing with. And so we don't have a God who doesn't feel our infirmities, who hasn't experienced the pain of being rejected, who doesn't understand the onslaught. In fact, his first real trial before his public ministry was taking on the devil one-on-one. I love to read that time and time again. Because when he left, the Bible said he was actually stronger than when he started. Something about engaging in a walk with the Holy Spirit. Um, And just remember, he was not only baptized in water, but the Spirit came and and, uh, lit upon him before he went into that temptation. I suggest to you today that if you're heading into temptation, get full of the Holy Spirit first. Don't do it on the other side. Peter's a guy that we, um, we tend to make fun of at times. But it's interesting that every time you list the disciples, he's always listed as the first one. He's clearly the leader among leaders. He was chosen, the very first disciple, along with his brother Andrew. He gave up his business. He's the guy who declared Christ when, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? It was Peter who said, thou art the Christ. Now, what does that mean? Not just the Messiah, it means the anointed one. Anointing has always carried this connotation that somehow God has chosen a special grace, a special favor, a special power, a special endowment. And Peter said, you know, maybe a lot of people endowed, a lot of people empowered, but you are the anointed one. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And it was Jesus who would say to Peter, it's all, and, and the reason I say this is because I started out this morning by saying, if you don't understand and have the right perspective, everything in your life will be skewed. You'll either see life through the lens of the 10 spies whose names we don't remember So if you want to be forgotten in life, if you want all of your efforts through all of your life to be quickly forgotten, then see life only through your own eyes. But if you dare to believe what God has said could be yours, because he has promised to restore what the enemy has taken, then your name will be immortalized in the same context of God saying, these men, these women, as Hebrews said, are great people of faith, though some never realized, never saw the blessing they pursued. Now, that's the interesting part. Joseph is listed as a guy who only saw the future and refused to give up on it. In fact, he said to his brothers, when I die... Put my bones in a box because we're going to the promised land. And when you go, take my body with you. I love that. I'm not going to get there, but somebody's going to get there. And all that we're doing today is preparing for that someday. What if we all lived with that kind of future perspective? That I don't have to see it now. I don't have to see it in my lifetime. I just believe it's going to happen. God's going to do it because he said he was going to do it. It's, it's the perspective Peter had, and, and it's what Jesus said when he, when he referred back to Peter, and he said, it's on that revelation that I will build my church. What's the revelation? The revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He is the foundation. Anything apart from Jesus will 
not last. I love the fact that our movement didn't begin with a corporation. It began with a message that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just remember when the Foursquare Gospel has gone around the world and invaded places like China and Indonesia, it's done so because of the message, not because of a corporation, not because of the governance. I love the fact that when we started our first mission work, we said, you know what, we're going to have children, but we're going to raise not adult children, we're going to raise adults. We're going to let them, we're, we're going to follow the New Testament pattern when we're going to risk something, thank you, by empowering them to become what God has called them to be. How many think it's quite, a, quite unusual for a 50-year-old to still be living at home and his parents doing his laundry? Mom and Dad, can I have the keys to the car? What's for dinner? That might be okay at 12, but it's not okay at 50. Unless the parent wants to create a dependent child and you create a dysfunctional family. And God said, I don't have a dysfunctional family. I empower people. Is it risky? Yes, but that's how God said people grow up. You give them responsibility. I mean, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm out of here. And Peter said, you can't go. And he said, hell just influenced what you said. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit doesn't come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, greater work shall you do. He said, we don't believe it. He said, trust me. Our founder, probably as far as I know, other than Jack Kafer, is probably the most gifted leader that our movement's ever had. Probably the most well-known. But when she died, we only had 150 churches. But she seeded something. That you give life away. When you try to control it, you hurt people and you restrict people. And and this description in Luke 4, listen to me today, is about a broken, bruised, hurting, captive world. And Jesus said, whenever you see that, that is the absence of the presence of God, not the presence of God. But when my presence comes in, when I invade brokenness, when I invade um, bruising, when I invade captivity, these are the things that happen. And Jesus began to say that because of the Spirit of the Lord, he's called me to go to the poor and say, hey, there's good news. Now, what possible good news could be to the poor? I think Jesus could have said, well, for one thing, I know what you feel. I wasn't born into royalty. I was born in a stable. And before I was a year old, I was an immigrant child in a foreign land. I learned my father's trade. Wasn't given a silver spoon. I learned obedience through the things that I suffered. Want to know why I am the way I am today? Because I face some tough times. You're facing some tough times, but I want you to say, I want you to understand today is that you have a God who knows how you feel. He is not some distant, removed deity. 
that is trying to make you feel better. I know your pain. Secondly, this pain is temporal. This life is so short compared to eternity. Thirdly, I've marshaled a whole church to look after you. And that's where we have to say, oh my. He's made us responsible for the poor. Come on, let me hear some amens. God said, when you do it unto the least of them, you've done it unto me. Don't, don't come and talk to me about casting out devils and performing miracles if you can't tell me that you visited the bound in prison, that you've gone to see those that are sick, that you've fed the mouths of the hungry. I love it when I hear about ministries and churches and people who've just, they just respond to people in need. And, and I, I want to commission all of you today. It doesn't require a formal ministry to do that. It just requires a willing heart. It, it just is kind of fun to sit in a restaurant and all of a sudden God point you to somebody and say, I want you to take care of their bill. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They don't even have to know who you are. Some person who's eating alone, who may not have a friend in the world, may have family who've rejected them, and all of a sudden a server says, somebody saw you. Somebody took care of your bill. Imagine, you won't ever forget that. I was in uh, Cracker Barrel the other day eating with my friend Ricky Temple in Atlanta, Georgia. He was there ministering for uh, uh, Bonner, Pastor Bonner outside of Atlanta. And so I walked in and I was waiting for Ricky and I saw this table of servicemen. They were wearing their Air Force. Um, there's an Air Force base there, North Atlanta. And so I said to our server, hey, could you bring, find me their server and bring them? So she brought her over and I said, uh, I want to pay for their bill. She said, are you sure? This is a pretty, pretty sizable bill. And I said, yeah. So I paid it, and pretty soon this lady came back to me, and she said, I want to thank you for what you did. I said, what do you mean? She said, somebody told me you paid for that entire table of servicemen. I didn't want anybody to know. That's not why I do it. And she said to me, my 18-year-old son just signed up and will leave in six weeks. And to know that other people will be there to take care of them makes my heart as a mom feel great. Jesus said, I've got good news. You think wherever you're at, the status of where you're at, you only see where you're at. You only see the present. You don't see the whole picture. If I had to, <laughs> Yui, it's true, if I had to, if I had to frame my entire ministry around what happened in Macon, Georgia, I would be a sad person. Not one person on the church council had been filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and so I'm facing leading a church without anybody, any of the men baptizing the Holy Spirit, and they pointed out a bylaw in Foursquare. It said, or earnest seeker thereof. And I said, you've been seeking a long time. Some of you, 50 years. Some lady said, you've been here before I came, and I'll, I was here before you come, and I'll be here after you leave. And I realized she was a prophet. She's still there, and I've been, I've been long gone. Yeah. 
Now, will we eliminate the need for, will we, will, will we eliminate poverty? The answer is no. But will we give an account one day to be part of God's solution to minister to them? Be the hand of God. Be the voice of God. Jesus said, preach the gospel of the poor, and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I, I wrote a couple things down because I, I, think these, I think these descriptions put people in a particular perspective about life. In other words, if, if I'm poor, I'm, I, I develop a particular perspective about life. In fact, I'm thinking that the $516 million lottery looks pretty good about right now. What I don't think about is that 75% of the people who win a mega lottery are bankrupt within seven years. Can you believe that? (laughs) I would just tell you today that money is not their problem. There's a different issue going on there. But the poor, I I, want to tell you today that I love the fact that I think the that Pentecost is the great equalizer because he marshals all of us toward ministry, the brokenhearted. The poor, I, I said, is, is a perspective. It's, you're seeing life from one perspective, and, and Jesus is saying, I can't imagine that you're happy with this, but I want to bring you some, some good news. Secondly, bind up the brokenhearted, the people whose, whose emotions have been crushed. The people who are operating out of, well, you know this, the, the most dangerous call that a police officer can get is a domestic call. You know why? Because the emotions are running wild. People are l- literally filled with rage and anger and jealousy and And the emotions, I just want us to acknowledge this because Jesus is saying, I'm here to help solve this. I'm here to help deliver this. I'm here to help heal this. I'm here to help bring about and to bring to bear all of heaven's resources to help. And his delivery system today is through you, through the church. That's his delivery system. I've come to help you help them. To bind up the brokenhearted. I've got a friend in North Carolina that I went to high school with. And uh, I I pray for Greg every day because he's in deep depression. And he's been to every medical um, facility you can imagine. And he's my heart aches for him, but, but I know only Jesus can heal him. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to get up every morning and not want to face the day, not want to leave the house, not want to get out of bed, not want to eat a meal, to not feel the joy of life, to not feel the, the weight of life not on your shoulders. And yet we live in a in a society, in a culture that is increasingly fracturing at the emotional level. PTSD is something that uh, has been a new term, 
But the fact that people have suffered emotionally because of trauma in their life or or because of either uh, one event or something that was just so persistent over a long period of time, or something about the wiring in a person. How many times do we read of a situation where someone wasn't themselves and, and their decisions factored into this lens that they look through? If you have glasses, you'll know when you sit in a, an optometrist's office or an ophthalmologist's office and they shift the lens, can you see better now? That's all God's saying to us. I understand that the lens you're looking through gives you a perspective that's not healthy. And I want to bring you help. I want to give you a different lens. I, I want to I bring healing to what it is that's not allowing you to see life for the way it is. Yeah. To Cain, he begged Cain, don't open the door to the anger and jealousy. The enemy is knocking on your door. All you have to do is bring, it's so simple. Bring me what I ask for and you will receive my favor as well. But the anger and the jealousy and the insecurity so consumed him that the only relief he had was to take his brother's life. Church, I'm just saying that's the world we live in. That's the effects of sin being in our midst. And Jesus said, I'm calling you to bring a different message to people that are desperate. Some of them you will not save, but some of them you will. Some of them you will rescue. I love the story of January 5th, 2012, Jessica Buchanan and a colleague, she's 32 years old, a U.S. humanitarian relief effort in Somalia, was captured by the Somalian pirates, and she spent 93 days in captivity. They moved her around to all these different places in the desert, and somehow her family got word that her organs were failing. They wanted $30 million dollars. And you know the difficulty of arranging any kind of kidnapping or ransom and the danger that puts other people in. And, but I love this story. In the middle of the night, someone called her name. And she recognized it was an American. Nine U.S. Navy SEAL Team 6 parachuted out of a plane and within minutes had killed all nine of her captors, had put her on a helicopter. When she turned around to say thanks, they were gone. She doesn't even know their name. But can I tell you today, it's not the reason they do that. They live for a cause. And the cause is we're going to rescue people even if it puts our own life at risk. That's the call to ministry. Is it messy getting involved with people whose emotions are, are strewn across the, the floor? Absolutely. But God's always calling us to be that representative of an anointed Christ who binds up the brokenhearted. Because what 
we have to understand today is when someone is emotionally unhealthy, their whole life looks different. I remember the first time I argued with my wife so intently, intensely that I grabbed the pillow and went out on the couch. Now, remember, this is against the scripture that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? Well, she let me sleep there all night long. That's the last time I grabbed my pillow and went to the couch. A couple times I've told her to take her pillow and go to the couch. But you understand the wisdom and the health of God understands that we are one decision away, one step away from inviting darkness into our soul. And what this verse says to us as a church is I have appointed you as light bearers. So where there is darkness, I've ushered to bring you in light. I told the group last night, I think it's maybe the only thing that you may hear uh, the same, but it's such a powerful story in my own uh, journey. As I was flying an airplane the other day and a guy got on, we were in the front seat, but it was a small regional jet, so I, I like to say everybody was in first class on that flight. He was drunk, he was about 40 years old, he was cussing, he was angry. They had shut off and said, the flight's so short, we're not going to serve any drinks. I was glad they weren't going to give him any more, but there was a time that I thought I would like something to help me <laughs> survive this flight. Pretty soon he pulled out his phone and started flipping through these pictures of girls, and he said, see these girls? He said, this Italian girl, he's telling me about all of his girlfriends. He said, in fact, there's a bar in New Jersey. There's 10 girls to every guy. And he said, you should come up with me sometime. I pulled out my phone, showed him a picture of me and Debbie. She looked really hot in this picture. And I said, that's my wife. We've been married 42 years. He looked at her picture and he said, could I have her number? <laughs> I have to tell you, there's few things that stun me in life. But that statement stunned me. I just smiled. We had other conversations. And then he said, this is the worst day of my life. I said, why is that? He said, I was working this morning and I called my, my dad, 62 years old, died in the middle of the night. And that's where I'm flying. I'm flying to Rhinelander, Wisconsin. I'm the only child to put all of his funeral arrangements together. And the last time I left this town was not a good thing. I haven't had a good relationship with my dad. I divorced my wife. I'm living on the road. I don't have a home. I have a son who's going to pick me up at the airport. Life's pretty messy right now. So we were just talking through that stuff, and then he turned to me and he said, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I consult nonprofits. Um, <laughs> which I do. He said, are you a pastor? I said, yeah. So we started talking a little bit about going through the funeral arrangements and this is the stuff that you deal with when you're a pastor. And we're leaving the plane. He gets a phone call and he says to someone, this is the worst day of my life. But I just met somebody who's given me hope. 
I'm telling you, you live under divine assignment. No conversation that you have with a stranger is something God's not unaware of. And while he's not asking you to put people off and make people uncomfortable, he is asking you to be available and willing just to share hope. That's all it is. Just give somebody a lifeline. What will it cost you? See, I think some of us think, oh, I could never get in groups of twos and go knocking on doors. I get that. I understand that. But I want to tell you, every day God's going to open up the possibility for you to give hope and life. It could be on a telephone call to a customer service agent. They have no idea they're having an awful day. You don't know what their finances are like. You don't know what their home life is like. You're just saying, I'm not getting well served when in reality God's put you there to somehow discern something about this person's life. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, how did you know this about me? She went back to town and told the whole village, you've got to come meet this guy. I'm always surprised at the disciples. They go into town for lunch, and who do they bring back? Nobody. They travel with this guy. They know who he is. And when they get back, they offer him lunch, and he says, I've already had lunch. And they go, really? Where? We don't? That's what They were concerned about lunch. But when you realize what God has done for you, when you don't lose that perspective, sometimes we get so close to Christianity. We get so comfortable with being around Christian people. We forget what it's like to be brokenhearted and to be poor. So I've come to set the captive free. This is, in my opinion, a direct assault that Jesus is serving notice to Satan. I'm going to take back those you have captured. This is pure evil. This is, this is intentional. This is the enemy enslaving people in ways that they no longer are able to be free in their thoughts and in their in their, in their life, and Jesus is saying, as he's declaring Isaiah's words, I've come to set the captive free. I'm serving notice to Satan. This is no longer his territory. This is God's territory, and I'm here to take it back. I'm going to reclaim what the enemy has stolen. Debbie and I were serving in a church. I was probably only about 27 years old, and I remember leaving the church late one night, and whoever wired that church was not very smart because you had to go through this long, dark sanctuary in the dark. You had to turn the lights off on the platform and find your way out the front of the church. 
And I don't like the dark. But it was my responsibility. So one night I turned the lights off, got his back as fast as I could, but I, I discerned something evil. I turned around, there was a dark mist in the room. I could see it. And I began to pray. I began to lift my heads against the darkness. Prayed for an hour in the spirit. I got home and the phone rang. It was 1030 at night on a Saturday night. And the man said, can my wife and I come see you? I said, it's really late. I got three services in the morning. They said, no, we, we have to come see you. For the last hour, my wife's been holding a gun to her head. And she just laid it down and she said, I want to live. And I realized I was fighting for her life. I had no idea what was going on, but God did. But God says, when I've recruited you into this mission to rescue people who are captive, to set them free. He said, I've come to bring recovery to those that are blind. I... I'm going to assume that this verse is not just about people who are physically blind, but, but who choose not to see. Or can't see because of obstacles in their way. Because how many times were there people who couldn't see God right in front of them? It was this same group. When, he, when Jesus finished this sermon, by the way, this is Jesus' first sermon. When he went into the synagogue at 30 years old, he opened the scroll of Isaiah. He read this passage, and he said, this is me. And they responded, oh, this is wonderful. Somebody local from Nazareth. And then Jesus said, oh, and by the way, I'm taking this message to the Gentiles. And they said, let's kill him. That's the, that's the blindness people live under, this not able to see the future. And, and so what Jesus realized with many people is that I, I can't pour, please hear this, I can't pour new wine into an old wineskin. you got to give me a new wine. you got to give me something to work with here. So that if you're going to understand the kingdom of God, not your own kingdom that you've built, but the kingdom of God I'm building, then I'm going to have to deconstruct something. You're going to have to come to the cross. You're going to have to deny yourself, pick up the cross and follow me. There's something about the Lord telling us these. Last, the Lord said he would, he would heal those that are bruised, those that... Life has just battered you around. I was with a, a very successful pastor and his wife the other day. They're building a brand new church down in uh, Ecuador. It was hard to get there. I flew into uh, Guayaquil and drove about four and a half hours to get there. But this beautiful building and the mayor was there and incredible marble floor and the miracles that God has done in this couple's life. We had a little dinner afterwards, and I'm concluding with this this morning. I noticed a little boy, about five years old, kept jumping up into their laps, and he would come over to the, to the pastor's lap and call him Papa, which 
I would understand Ming, means dad in Spanish. And, um, and they looked fairly young. They probably were in their late 40s, early 50s, which is probably late to have children, but still possible. And, but until I heard them un, unpack their story, this was not their son, this was their grandson, born to their 16-year-old daughter who was unwed at the time. And when she got pregnant and the church found out, some of the people in the church called for his resignation and said, we can't have a pastor whose daughter goes out and gets pregnant pastoring our church. And he called one of the largest pastors in, uh, a pastor who pastors one of the largest churches in, in the world, actually, in Honduras, pastors almost 30,000 people, Misael Arganal in uh, San Pedro Sula, Honduras. Misael's been his mentor and coach, and, and Misael said, I'll tell you what you need to do right away. You need to have a, a closed-door meeting with your church, and you basically just need to repent before them if anybody's been hurt and ask for their forgiveness and tell them you're at their mercy. They pulled the church together and closed the doors and bared their heart. One by one, ten couples stood and said, that's our story. That's right. yeah. And you loved us through it. And this church didn't discard us, they loved us. No, you're not only not leaving, this will be part of your story of how God will use this. It was, he said, the most incredible meeting that they'd ever had. The most honest, the most transparent, the most authentic. Because I'm not saying for the first time, but for at least this time. The people in the church understood they had a pastor who was walking the same journey that they were walking through. Now they had a chance to pastor him. So he called Missio back and he said, you can't believe what happened. How did you know? Missio said, it happened to me. We want to throw people away. We want to discard the people that maybe are poor and brokenhearted and captive and blind and bruised, but not God. In fact, he may leave the rest of you alone. That's what he said to the Pharisees who wondered why he was hanging around riffraff, and he said, a, a, a doctor isn't needed for people that are well. I'm called for people who need me. And he said, and by the way, maybe you should just discover, maybe you should read again why mercy is preferred over sacrifice. So I conclude today by saying this healing part, Jesus is our healer, was prophesied by Isaiah. 
Jesus embraced it. And he found himself more with people who were rejected by the rest of the group. That is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Can I read this as we close this morning? The Lord gave me these words regarding the poor. People are often trapped in a difficult place in life. Jesus delivered a message of hope to them, and this was his message. I know where you're coming from because I've been there. Your place is not permanent. I'm calling others to help you no matter. You matter to God. You're not under a curse, and you can be rich in so many ways other than material things. To the brokenhearted, people get crushed and mauled in life. They don't feel like going on, but Jesus has a message for them. I'm going to heal you from the inside out. Your situation may not change, but you will. You will become strong again, able to deal with life's blows, even to the point of becoming a healing agent yourself. Surrender your hurts to me, and I will make you whole. To the captive, Jesus understood people get trapped by hell itself, relentless, awful, brutal, suffocating, hurt, and pain. And Jesus has a message for them, too. I will deliver you. I'm not coming just to give you relief. I'm coming to set you free. You will be safe and your threat will be extinguished. You will learn to walk and move and live as a free person, no longer under the grip of Satan's power. To the blind, people are not often able to see and they stumble in the darkness. Jesus has a message for you too. I'm coming to help you recover your sight in the places you can't see and in the places you've chosen not to see. I'm bringing light to the darkness. I'm bringing understanding to the chaos. I'm bringing insight into confusion. Open your eyes and see. You are moving from being blind and handicapped to being healed and a guide to others who are trapped by their blindness. To the bruised, people often get battered and wounded by life and circumstances and other people. Sometimes those inflictions are intentional, sometimes they are not. The damage is the same. But Jesus has a message for you. I know your pain. I took your blows. I paid your price. I'm declaring you free from the lasting effects of your wounds. I will turn your wounds into scars. I will make a safe path for you to trust again, to love again. Receive your new life. You know, I love the fact that our our military has something called night vision goggles because it allows them to see something the natural eye won't see, and that's my prayer for you this morning. There is a light that's given off by heat, the heat of your body. It's called infrared. I mean, excuse me, it's called uh, thermal imaging. Things that have heat give off light. There's something else called infrared. There There is light particles that will um, emulate from things that the natural eye can't see. And it's the night vision goggles that allow the military to have superiority over people who are only using their natural eyes. I'm telling you today that the scriptures tell us that through the discernment of the spirit, God's allowing you to see things nobody else can see. He's allowing you to have a vision into life, into hurt, into into a ministry that will bring deliverance, bring healing, bring hope. And for some of you that are walking through that, in fact, just bow your head right now. If you're dealing with any of those things, if you're dealing with poverty, if you're dealing with brokenness, if you're dealing with a sense of captivity, if you're dealing with a bruising, if somehow you haven't been able to see as clearly as you want to see, just raise your hand right now, would you? I need some deliverance. I need for God to come in. There's probably 40 hands across the room this morning. Jesus, 
I pray by the power of your spirit, because you said it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's not just the words of man or the wisdom of man. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. So I pray for a fresh infusion of your Holy Spirit to every person in this room this morning. And then lastly, Lord, I pray that we'll all become agents of your healing. Not only have we been healed, but now we're bringing healing to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we thank Pastor Glenn? And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Forest Word Church audio podcast. We're glad that you were encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.